The Coffee Podcast is sponsored by KitchenAid, whose coffee collection is changing the way coffee is brewed at home. KitchenAid worked with baristas and coffee experts to engineer a new line of coffee products. The KitchenAid Burr Grinder allows you to extract the best flavor from your coffee beans by precisely controlling the grind level. The KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker enhances the classic French press brewing method with an integrated scale and timer to precisely brew a bold, full-bodied cup of coffee. Exceptional coffee made simple with KitchenAid. You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. This conversation is a living continuum that includes every link of the coffee value chain from before the seed to after the cup. Full disclosure for our listeners, this episode is sponsored specifically by KitchenAid. We're thankful for their support. And in a lot of ways, the podcast is not possible without two major things. Listeners, and those who are listening now, and financial supporters. The podcast does take money, so it's really helpful to be supported by companies who believe in the conversation like KitchenAid. Just wanted to make that super clear for you. This episode really hinges on the life of Eden Marie. She had her humble beginnings starting in a cafe near Atlanta, Georgia, worked her way to intelligence. He is a dishwasher, and the story just continues from there. She's here to share her story, to talk about why she's an ambassador for KitchenAid coffee products. She's now a consultant for her own company and is now the director of coffee for Revelator Coffee Company. At the end of this episode, we're going to announce our winners of the Coffee Podcast KitchenAid giveaway, sponsored by The Coffee Podcast. So stay tuned to the end to see if your name made it into the hat. So without further ado, let's get this conversation rolling. My name is Eden Maria Bromowitz. I am currently working as the director of coffee for Revelator Coffee, which is a southern coffee company. Uh, But I also wear a number of different hats throughout the coffee industry, and I still do consulting with numerous different companies. And I work as an ambassador for KitchenAid specialty coffee products. Awesome. So Eden Marie, you sort of had... Small beginnings, if that's okay to say that. You you were a dishwasher at Intelligentsia, correct? Absolutely. So I actually started in coffee in a small town in Georgia outside of Atlanta. Um, yeah, tell us a little in, more about that. I completely fell into coffee by accident, which I feel as though a lot of people in this industry have. But it was just my first job, a cool opportunity right by my high school. But I'm the type of person that I walked into a coffee bar, I started getting training, and I instantly needed to know more. So I hit the internet, I started watching blogs, I started participating in barista competitions and traveling more and more for coffee. Uh, Then Intelligentsia Coffee was wonderful enough to give me my first kind of big break in the industry, and I moved out to Los Angeles at the beginning of 2011 to start washing dishes for them. Wow, so your your big break was uh, a chance to wash dishes, which I I always hear stories of, of people who are somewhere much further along in their journey, uh, especially in food. And uh, a lot of great success stories start in, at the dishwasher <laughs> uh, level. So that's that's really neat that that's where you were. And it sounds like that was sort of your foot in the door to the rest of the industry. Is that is that fair to say? 
it was my foot in the door to the rest of the industry. And like you said, so many people start working at the dishwasher. And the beautiful thing about being back there is you get to learn from everyone that is also working in that establishment. So I feel as though I've, I have a different perspective of the retail coffee business because I've seen it all from back of house to front of house to upper management. Uh, and I think that not everyone has had those opportunities and I'm very grateful for them. So you've, you've done much on the cafe side. You've done training. You've managed... Uh, and you've even uh, led product research. What motivated you to wear so many hats? How did, how did that happen? I have this unwavering hunger always to learn more. So when I get into a position and I may, I was in education for years training. I was in management for years leading one of the top coffee bars. And I always was kind of looking at the person next to me, admiring their skill set and perhaps a different department and wanting to question them and, and get involved in those different areas. Uh, so I think it's really driven just by a hunger for education for personal development. And all this sort of leads into uh, your own business, right? You, you, you took all these skills that you learned uh, and all these different hats that you wore and you sort of combined them into uh, what, what became the genesis of uh, Bastic Coffee. After working with Intelligentsia for, I think it was just about seven years. Uh, and like we said, I've I kind of jumped around from department to department. Uh, the company was growing and was at a certain size. And this just kind of seemed like the next logical step. Uh, the owners were incredibly supportive of this move and actually helped me with the transition. And with all of my travels kind of picking up through barista competitions, and I was already starting to do consulting even with my time with Intelli, uh, this was just the next step to really go out on my own. It was terrifying, but such a wonderful feeling to be able to just go to different companies, again, learn myself and share any knowledge that I may possess with different coffee companies. So before we jump into all that uh, Bastet Coffee is, if we can take a step back, you've mentioned uh, barista competitions. Uh, if I'm if I'm correct, you are also involved in uh, a film about coffee. Um do you want to you wanna expand on some of those experiences for our listeners? Yes. So if you're not familiar with the barista competition, it's basically a service competition. Uh, there's actually a couple different coffee competitions. Some people do Brewer's Cup with manual brewing and barista championships that I participated in. We're actually serving several courses of espresso-based drinks to sensory judges that are consuming the drinks. But we also have technical judges kind of up behind us watching everything that we do, making sure that we have extremely uh, clean workflow and that everything is kind of top-notch for a barista. You're also mic'd up and presenting the entire time. So it's a little bit of a book report on whatever coffee you chose uh, and you usually tie it into kind of a bigger idea. I actually come from a theater background growing up. So I majored in musical theater for a minute. I am very comfortable kind of performing and sharing different ideas with people. So barista competitions kind of combined my two loves of coffee and communication and performing in one go. Okay. So I was actually, I was a barista com competitor probably four or five years. And during that time, there was a documentary made featuring a couple of us out in California, Southern California. And that documentary actually, it was pretty successful. And it's been a wonderful kind of door and entry level for people to understand the crazy world of barista competitions and yeah. all the, the little idiosyncrasies and, and beautiful hard work that goes into it. So I have to ask you, what 
what did you focus on? I, I know you said you sort of had a, a main vision when you went into these comp- competitions or you had sort of a main idea that you wanted to communicate. What were the ideas you were trying to communicate and how do they tie into who you are in coffee? My perspective always, and it, tr- it varied a little bit year to year, but my main focus as a coffee professional, no matter what I've done, is in the sensory experience. Basically meaning I want to serve delicious, tasty coffee in a cup to a consumer that leaves happy, whether it's a judge, whether it's a paying customer, whether it's my mother walking into my coffee bar. So what I try to do and what I did in the barista competitions is all that nerdy hard work that goes into it that we do, whether I'm using scales, I have all these timers, it's seemingly a very difficult process. I don't want that to reach the consumer. I want it to be easy for them and pleasurable. And if and when I do share any of those like nerdy little details that go into it, I want to tie it again into the sensory experience. So if I'm sharing a fact about coffee or I'm sharing a fact about crazy brewing ratios that I'm doing, how does that impact you? How does that change what tastes you're going to be picking up and perceiving in the cup? So one of my favorite barista routines I did many years ago, I actually drank the coffee with the judges and you have to give very accurate flavor descriptors. And I was able to talk them through sip by sip the changes in the coffee as it cools, different changes in the tactile or body sensations they're getting. So it sounds like you really worked your personality into your competitions. I mean, you you have that theater background and uh, you have that desire to serve delicious coffee to whoever it might be on the other side of the cup. Um, And how would you encourage uh, maybe baristas who are listening or people who want to be in coffee what sort of advice would you give them on the road to being a barista barista champion? Whenever I talk to anyone that wants to compete, I ask them, what do you want to say? And a lot of times they'll immediately say, well, I have this awesome coffee. It's a geisha from Panama. And they get excited about that. And I get it. And that is important. But take a step back. Why are you competing? Is it for professional personal development? If it is, that's fine. Is it to share this idea? Has there been something plaguing your brain or is there a a different perspective in the coffee industry that you want to share? That's going to be that thread that will tie your routine together and it can be kind of ongoing through the entire competition season and potentially through even years like it was for me. I want to jump back to your consulting business um, and ask you sort of one straight question. Mm -hmm. What was it like pioneering your business as a woman in the coffee industry? It's always a funny question that I actually am faced with often when I talk to people. Uh, It's funny because I don't have anything to compare it to because I've always been a woman in the coffee industry. (laughs) I don't know what it would be like to not be a woman. There are still some deeply rooted conscious and subconscious things that happen in all industries, I think, um, that can provide obstacles as not only a woman, but any a numerous number of my, minorities and uh, gender sexualities, everything. So it happens. It's real. I am now more and more comfortable not only recognizing when those things happen, but being comfortable addressing with them, both with myself and with outside parties. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for many years as a woman in coffee, when anything came up regarding sexuality or gender, it was kind of the norm to just ignore it and just don't don't address it. Put your head down. Work harder. So I feel more comfortable kind of addressing things head on as I've matured personally. Would you 
Would you be comfortable sharing any specific obstacles you've faced or would you rather not go into those details? No, I think the majority of them in my world have been uh, just less pointed, I would say, and maybe more just kind of subconscious for people in the workspace. Um, Why in the majority of companies, not just in coffee, why are the majority of leadership is male? Uh, why are there such few women competitors? Um, is it something that's happening on a company level? Is it potentially because they're not in those management positions to have the freedom to compete? So the way I kind of tackle it and what I really put effort doing now is with my staff, we have up to 20 retail locations with Revelator Coffee. I'm currently and actively going out and pursuing and finding all people, all everyone on my staff and trying to have one-on-one conversations to see who wants to compete and how we can support them and who wants to potentially Mm. pursue leadership and what can I do to support you? Uh, Because I have learned that not everyone is going to put themselves out there, put themselves out on a limb in the same way. Yeah, totally understand. So you referred to the specialty coffee sector of the coffee industry as, quote, intimidating. You said that fact is, quote, counterintuitive. What did you mean when you said that? And how does that tie into KitchenAid's line of coffee gear? So first of all, I want to totally admit that I'm guilty of this myself, particularly when you're so excited about the science and intricacies that can go into brewing coffee and all these different variables and tools that we seemingly every year have new tools and new technologies that we can play with to make coffee better. Um, we get so excited about that, that we want to share it. (laughs) So you'll see these coffee bars that are so grandiose and there's all these tools and trinkets and this whole process behind it. For me as a coffee professional, I could admire the beauty in that and kind of the theatrics of it. But I always try to take a step back and imagine my grandmother or an obscure cousin coming in that isn't used to the specialty coffee world, seeing all these tools and all this entire process and thermometers and timers and just thinking, I can't do that. They'll, they'll put up walls. It's very intimidating and they can get nervous by it. So what I'm trying to attempt now and what I think ties beautifully in with KitchenAid specialty coffee gear is it, it makes it so easy to make good coffee. So they're not dumbing it down in any way. All they're doing is just combining quality products in consolidating them potentially into one simple product or into just some beautifully aesthetically pleasing products where you can have them out in your kitchen and you're not intimidated to use them. So you're saying the the line itself or the the products themselves have sort of that unintimidating uh, approach to them. They're they're approachable, I guess would be the way to say it. And where... Just on the topic, just because I think it's extremely important to the conversation as it has been for, in the case of the podcast, it's been important since like early episodes. This whole Mm -hmm. idea of intimidating uh, coffee uh, is being counterintuitive. Where do you see this um, the most and how do you think it hurts business just practically? Uh, You see it a lot currently, I think in just retail spaces and just in businesses or brands trying to differentiate themselves. So they're putting a lot of effort into being something different, whether that be with actual architecture, their menu design, the names of the drinks, how the baristas are dressed. They're trying to stand out, which makes sense from a brand perspective. What makes you different than the coffee bar across the street? However, 
with that, we're losing some of the comfort of coffee. Coffee in American culture is just this comfortable, beautiful ritual that we're losing those kind of customers that are coming in. And if, if they're too intimidated, they might actually walk out or they just may not sit and camp out and enjoy the experience as much as they should. So when we start talking about homebrewing devices, uh, you know, KitchenAid being homebrew gear, uh, this specialty uh, aimed line, how have your experiences with other devices compared to your experiences with the, the current KitchenAid line? With a bunch of different, all different coffee equipment, I would say right now, currently kind of fits into two major veins. There are the companies or the lines that are going for the most advanced. So how can I give you control over 1,000 different variables in one device? Mm-hmm. Then there's kind of the other school of thought where there's machine companies potentially taking a step back, going to the consumer perspective and saying, how do I make this user-friendly and something easy to use? And like you've, you use the word approachable. I love that. How do we make this very approachable, whether it's from a barista that's getting up in the morning or whether it's someone that doesn't have as much professional coffee experience? How do we make it kind of approachable for all different parties? The fun thing that I thoroughly enjoy working with KitchenAid is they're not compromising quality. They're using crazy, beautiful materials, designers to make really high quality products, but they are so streamlined, very simple to use and simple to understand, which I think is critical, especially when it comes to the home brewing sector. So something I found interesting, and I'm, I'm sure you would you would find this interesting, and you probably already noticed this. We did, we're doing a giveaway with this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, we're giving away two different KitchenAid products. And I put a poll on Instagram on the, uh, on the, on the video, whatever you call that thing up on the top, you know, the little circle button you click. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we did a poll we, and we threw up a picture of a KitchenAid product, one that I've tried. And uh, we said, do you want to win this? And it was just yes or no. <laughs> and I was amazed at how many people said no. Now, granted, the majority of people said yes. Uh, yes. But there's about 23%, I forget the official number, but there's like 23 or so percent of people who just flat out said no. They were saying, no, I don't want a free, you know, high quality brewing device for my house. And I have to wonder why. And I, I'm sure you have something to say about this. So I'm, I'm going to kind of <laughs> throw that story your way and, and see what happens. <laughs> Those are the types of stories that will drive me nuts because I want to be like, why? What's happening? I, th- I think a certain percentage of those were jokesters. I'm going to be honest. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but I think there's also a percentage. There are a small percentage of people that don't brew at home, either because it's an intimidating process, not just from a technology standpoint, but it's intimidating in the concept of I need that extra time. I need to clean it afterwards, whatever that may be. They're rushed in the morning. Going to coffee bars or going to drive-ins, I think, has become the new norm, especially for millennials. You stop for coffee on the way to work. Not as many people are brewing in the actual home. I want to encourage people that it's not a scary process, that it can take literally less than four minutes for the brewing process, and you don't have to stand there and babysit it, especially with things like some of the KitchenAid products. They have the precision press. You can set a timer. It has a scale integrated in it. You don't have to stand there and babysit you put your coffee in there, you put your water in there, and then you can go brush your teeth, <laughs> take right. out the dog, and you have coffee ready and waiting for you when you get back. So I think it's a little bit of both for people that are answering no. 
And Eden Marie, you spoke too to the nature of this ritual that we have over coffee. And um, if I can guess well at all, I would guess that you would include the brewing part of that at home, part of that ritual, right? Brewing coffee at home is absolutely a part of that ritual. And for me and my household, I think it's pretty known that you don't talk to Eden before she performs this ritual <laughs> every morning. Right on. It's my, it's my quiet time. I come down. The lights are still generally pretty low or off. I start my coffee brewing process. The aromatics are released into the air. It's familiar sounds, whether it's the water heating, it's the grinder, it's getting everything together. And I leave there with a beautiful hot cup of coffee. And at that point, yes, it's delicious, tasty coffee, but it's also just the beauty of holding a hot product (laughs) in my hands before the sun has come up. Uh, so uh, that ritual is an important and critical part to a happy, happy Eden. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate your time in talking about all these topics about sort of giving us your the overview of your experiences in the coffee industry uh, and for giving just some great advice to people who might be looking at some barista competitions in the future. So thank you for all of that. And Sorry. as we come to a close, I have our basic three questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, which give you an opportunity to sort of speak to the world, uh, your, your, your thoughts in some very specific ways. So are you ready for those questions? I'm ready. All right. So question number one is, where do you, Eden Marie, see coffee going in the next five years? The biggest trend that I've noticed in this past year, and I've been growing along with it, is coffee uh, brands and coffee companies are having to expand their offerings. No longer are you just seeing coffee bars serve coffee and bars serve alcohol and restaurants serve food. All of these companies are rushing onto the food frontier, the alcohol frontier. And the way I view it, particularly when I'm working with retail locations, is just overall building beautiful hospitality spaces, which just sounds so silly. But my goal is to have someone sitting and camping out in my coffee bar or establishment and my services and my products kind of go throughout the day with them. They start with a coffee. They may add a pastry. I have a healthy juice offering. Even going into the night, they can have a beautiful glass of wine or a cocktail, all with excellent quality and all with some sort of beautiful synergy between the products and that we're not this isolated industry anymore. Wow. I, I like I like that idea. I don't necessarily. Well, it kind of touches too on the on the decaf front. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but um, <laughs> yeah, let's let's not. <laughs> All right. Question number two: Do you have any resources you'd like to recommend to our listeners? So, books, websites, people that you know, things like that. I have like a hundred names I want to yell out. Uh, James Hoffman has kind of been my guru since the beginning of my coffee time. Um, so I recently just got a beautiful book from him with his an anthology of all of his former blog posts. So check yeah. out James Hoffman. Um, the Chocolate Barista, Michelle, is a really great resource for a different perspective of what's going on uh, with people that work in coffee. Same with Andrea Allen. She's done some work with Barista Magazine and she works over at Onyx, wonderful writer. And then some of my favorite guys are going to be the Cat and Cloud guys. So Jared Truby and Chris Baca, They do a podcast. They do some other interesting things. They have beautiful coffee and coffee shops, but they also have really awesome, non-intimidating, approachable coffee education material out there. So you can check out some of these videos that are just super fun and honest, and there's nothing pretentious about them, which is really great. Yeah, agreed there. 
The last question is the, is the uh, toughest question. What is the single best piece of advice you've ever received? If you don't know the answer to a question, admit it and don't be afraid to ask and find out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my wife calls that not fudging. She says, don't fudge. I love that. That's good. <laughs> so I feel like it's like the easy way. Like you can, you can do that sometimes. You can, you can skimp or you can get by, but that's what makes you stronger is when you could admit, I don't know that. But I will find out. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and there's this popular saying, uh, fake it till you make it. It's kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. I would rather, I think it also goes along with the teach a man to fish kind of thing. Of, yeah. I, I'm going to figure it out on my own and that's going to make me stronger later on, the, like down the road. That's a stronger foundation. Right on. Well, thanks, Eden Marie, for joining us. You, you have anything else you want to you finish this off with? No, I'm just always excited to share and talk with other coffee brewers, coffee enthusiasts. Uh, and I think if anyone is interested in checking out kind of the KitchenAid line or if anyone's interested in asking me questions, I am the most approachable coffee nerd of all time. So never be afraid to reach out. It's always exciting to see somebody in the coffee industry go from a dishwasher to owning their own coffee company. That's the kind of industry we're in. Whether you're drinking a cup of coffee right now or you're getting ready for work as a barista or you're about to get out there in the field, we have a pretty awesome industry. But I know what some of y'all are waiting for, so let's get to the chase. We have a giveaway to announce. And our winner for the KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker is Mackenzie Carlson. And the winner for the KitchenAid Cold Brew Coffee Maker is Honky Tonk Heather. <laughs> Congratulations to you both, and we'll be reaching out to you via Instagram very soon to get your details so that we can get you these really cool homebrew devices. Thanks for everybody who participated. And again, we can't do this podcast without you, our listeners. So thank you for listening. Thanks for your support. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Coffee Podcast.